Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author from My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. July's theme, yeah, you heard me right, July's theme is summer vacation and amid your counting our blessings moment. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Stephanie James. Stephanie is a psychotherapist, presenter, transformational coach, author, filmmaker, and radio show and podcast host. She has experienced what it means to live fully lit up and fully alive. Over the years, Stephanie has gathered wisdoms from some of the most extraordinary minds and serving hearts on the planet. She has synthesized their wisdom with her knowledge and experience to help others expand their vision by igniting their purpose. Stephanie's purpose is to bring as much love and healing to the world as possible. She believes as we live the greatest version of our lives, we illuminate the way for others to do the same. The unique light we project into the world will also serve as a beacon for others to shine. Her latest book, Becoming Fierce offers a gentle and provocative look at stimulating considerable thoughts and igniting the heart space. It also provides the practical insights to build inner strength and the courage to overcome, resulting in an astonishing revelation of balance, poignancy, and meaning. Stephanie is also one of our featured expert contributors for our July Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine, Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering story in our Heart of the Stove section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Stephanie and I will be having a talk about her remarkable life journey and how the essence of universal wisdom and self-love can help us find our voice, strength, and purpose to create a bold, beautiful life from her latest book, Becoming Fierce. Good morning, Stephanie. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good morning, Johnny. So good to be here with you again. Wonderful, wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. Becoming Fierce is an excellent read. It is beautifully written, is engaging, and more importantly, you have an empowering end cap at the end of each chapter, which I love. Congratulations on its release. Oh, thank you so much. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we have the whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. You know, I I usually begin, you know, oftentimes by telling people a little bit about what created Mm -hmm. this becoming fierce sense within me. Because a lot of times, Johnny, as you know, when when we have a certain amount of success or we have films and books and we're 
keynote speakers, people can look at us and go, oh, they must have had a really charmed life or they must have had a really easy life. And, you know, my belief is that nobody gets out of life unscathed. We all go through difficulties and challenges. And so my life has been no different. Um, I was really blessed for 13 years. I had an amazing, what I truly call a golden childhood. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. My grandparents owned a farm that was about 15 minutes outside of town. I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. And so they were in this great little farm and we'd go out every Sunday, you know, and, and whoever was around would meet for Sunday dinner. And I had this wonderful, you know, I had wonderful parents that were very involved in my life. So whether I was doing piano or ballet or playing softball or soccer, they were involved in all of it. And, you know, I definitely was a daddy's girl. I was one of those <laughs> little girls who, you know, I just followed my dad around. Of course, I love my mom, but I was my dad's constant companion and his little shadow. So if he was out raking the leaves, I would be there with my bag to help collect them. You know, if he was working on his workbench and, you know, doing a project, I would be hammering <laughs> nails into a board just to be near him. And even you know, so much that I can remember being about six years old and he would be shaving in the morning and I would go sit on the counter beside him and he'd put shaving cream all over my face and I'd use this little plastic toothbrush holder to <laughs> shave my face. And we just, you know, we just had this really wonderful relationship and this golden childhood was absolutely ended uh, in one night. And it was, I was 13 years old and my 10 year old brother and I were awoken in the middle of the night to the sound of screeching tires pulling out of the driveway. And we look out the second story, dirty window, you know, down at the scene unfolding below. And my mom was pulling out of the driveway and my father jumped on the hood of the car and was beating on the windshield and, you know, yelling for her to get out. And my brother and I had never even seen my parents fight or even argue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unbeknownst to us, what was going on, you know, I, my, our mother got out of the car and she's walking back up the driveway and kind of stumbling. And I, my first thought, although my mother didn't drink, I was like, oh, my God, she looks drunk. But she was then I noticed she was actually crying so hard and just saying, why, why, why? So what we found out mm-hmm. was that my father had waited till we all went to sleep to tell my mom that he was in love with another woman and leaving her. And it happened to be my best friend's mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it was really at that moment, this golden childhood was completely shattered and irreversibly broken. And soon thereafter, you know, I moved out with my dad because I am a daddy's girl and that was natural Mm. for me. My mother started having emotional issues. Of course, she was in love with this man she'd been with for 18 years. And so she just fell apart. And so very quickly after dad left, I moved in with him. And then shortly thereafter, I had a new stepmother. And it was made really clear that the way that my relationship with my dad was, was no longer allowed. And from that point on, I was no longer allowed to speak to my father alone. I couldn't be with him alone. And to this day, I'm not allowed to speak with him alone on the phone. 
so I started getting, you know, these messages like, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what's wrong? This real retraction of love. And at 16, when I went to go stay with my mom for a couple weeks, um, my, my dad and stepmother showed up in the driveway and said, we're moving to Austin. Do you want to come with us? And they were leaving in three weeks. And I, you know, I had grown up in Fort Collins my whole life. I was about to be a junior in high school and I was, you know, there's no way your friends are so important at that time. And I said, no, I'm going to stay. And at that point, my father stopped speaking to me for a year. And, you know, Johnny, the result of that for me was that I really went into like this 15 year, you know, quest, if you will, Mm -hmm. because I, uh, the message I received is I must not be lovable. You know, if my dad has rejected me if, you know, the daddy that I was so close to, you know, won't speak to me, I must be unlovable. And so it it was quite a journey those next 15 years trying to find, you know, I was always trying to earn love. I was trying to, if I just looked right, if I just did the right thing, um, if I got good enough grades, then somehow I'd be acceptable. And it wasn't until my early 30s where I went to San Francisco and I went to a healing school to to actually as a practitioner, you know, opening myself up to to different healing modalities. But as I walked into the room, um, the the presenter, Dr. Jaffe, um, shook my hand. And it was one of those handshakes, Johnny, where, you know, when someone holds your hand just a little too long and he's gazing like right into my eyes and I'm like, whoa, I just felt like this man was reading my soul. And we, we, we get done with this long extended shake and everyone sits down and he goes up on the stage and about halfway through his presentation, he looks into the audience and he says, hey, you, kind of points out, you in the mm-hmm. blue coat, I have a message for you. And I'm looking around and looking around and I look down and go, oh, crud, I'm the one in the blue coat. (laughs) And he said, my message for you is, and I couldn't hear him. And I Mm -hmm. said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. And so he says it again, and I still can't hear him. And people are starting to laugh. And he's like, my dear, you obviously have some resistance to this message. He's like, what I want you to know is, and as he says that, all of the air conditioning units in the place come up Mm -hmm. and nobody can hear him. So by now everybody's laughing and he's like, my dear, come on stage, come up here. And I came and (laughs) sat down on these stairs by the stage and he said, what I need you to hear, the message that you need to receive is stop trying. Mm -hmm. Stop trying. He said, you've been trying your whole life to be perfect for your father, and now you're doing it for your husband. Stop trying. And it was such a catalyst for me where I realized I've been trying to earn love. I had all these external programs for happiness. It was all outside of me. And I, at that moment, really got, oh, my God, this is an inside job. I have to learn Mm -hmm. how to love myself and stop trying. Mm -hmm. So... It, it was such a, a powerful, life-changing thing. And truly, from that point on, there was a huge shift. And I think about how I've gone on to do incredible things in my life and have incredible relationships with so much love and, 
as you know, I mean, the joy that you get from serving people and through my films and books and radio show and podcast, through my transformational coaching, I mean, I've, I've just felt like I've been able to share the wisdom and the knowledge that I've continued to gain and glean through my own experience and through the you know, tremendous lives of so many thought leaders and change makers on the planet. So I'm, I'm feeling really blessed. Very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that wonderful story. I guess during the journey that you took as a teenager onwards and so forth, that's when you developed the passion to pursue psychology in some ways and in studying others and oneself? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My first year of college, I, you know, as a lot of kids do, I was like, I want to get out of this small town. And I actually <laughs> went to an art school in L.A., and it wasn't um, – I, I finished that year, and at the end of that year, I had gotten into the Art Institute in London. But this is 1986, and the American mm-hmm. embassy was bombed. And mm-hmm. so the, the gal that I was going to go with, both of our parents said, you're not going to London. And that was also a pivotal point in my life because that was when I met with a dear family friend who happened to be a psychology professor at CSU mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And he said, Stephanie, you're such a natural, you know, because I was kind of lost. Like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And um, he said, I know the advisor. Um, so why don't I set up an appointment? You go talk to her. And, and literally the rest was history. And, you know, and I have to say my, my stepmother was a psychologist. And even through all that conflict, I totally respected her. And I loved, you know, hearing about her clients and what she studied. And I definitely have always been such a people person. And so it was just a natural thing for me to move into a healing profession. Very, very interesting. So when did the inner GPS concept come to mind? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I speak about that inner GPS in, in the Becoming Fierce book because we all have that place in us that if we just get still enough, it will guide us. And so I do call it the inner GPS. And I have to say, I mean, even before the, I I would say, awakening in some ways, you know, that moment Mm -hmm. there in San Francisco where I really had a paradigm shift, I was already having throughout my life those GPS moments. Mm -hmm. And I I think that, you know, we we have to listen to those. I'm remembering one of the big moments, um, being 25 years old and being up at my aunt's second home. She had this gorgeous home um, in Eagle Vale. And there were 14 of us all together. I had friends from where I was working. I was working at the time in Denver at a psychiatric hospital on the adolescent unit. And at the time, I was the only non-mastered leveled person that was on the therapy staff. And so it was really an honor for me And I had some of the best girlfriends in the world (laughs) that I worked with. And so it was really this kind of golden life that I was living. I was a single mom at the time. And it was just, I felt really loved, really loved what I did. And here we are on this ski vacation up at my aunt's home and just having a blast, you know, skiing during the day. We'd go to the top of the mountain, have margaritas at night. And, you know, it was just like <laughs> this really fun getaway. And we'd get ready to go to sleep the last night. 
And I'm not one of those people who remembers dates. You know, I'm not someone who's like, <laughs> oh, I know that this happened on January 1st. But this date will always stay in my mind because January 13th, we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the gal I was sharing a room with, we get into bed and I just start crying. She's like, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I said, I am getting the loudest message that I need to leave Denver and move back to Fort Collins, which is Mm -hmm. about an hour north of Denver. And she's like, are you crazy? Like you have so many great friends. You have this amazing job. You know, the only one on the staff that's not master's level, you know, again, such an honor. Um, you know, this doesn't make sense. And I said, I don't know, but this is like the strongest feeling I have. It's very strong. And I woke up the next morning and called my mom who lived in Fort Collins, who still lives in Fort Collins and said, mom, I don't know what's going on, but I am getting this really strong voice that I need to move back to Fort Collins. And she said, well, that's interesting. She said, the gentleman that lived in their rental house Mm -hmm. um, was not going to renew his lease, which was up February 1st. She said, you could just move into that house. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back to work tomorrow morning. This was a Sunday. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to go back to work tomorrow morning, give my two weeks notice. And my lease was also up in Denver, the 1st of February. So I would have signed a whole nother year lease. I'm a single mother. I moved back. And within that first week, I already had a new job living, already feeling settled in my new place. And three weeks to the day, Johnny, that I moved in, um, the adolescent unit was closed and never to reopen. And all my girlfriends were laid off. There's no way I could have made it as a single mom just signing a new lease um, without income. And Mm You know, the front page of the Rocky Mountain News said psychiatric (laughs) abuses charged, and that's why the unit was closed. So Mm. at those days, that was before managed care. And these scouts were going out all over the nation. We had kids in the unit that would stay from seven to nine months, depending on when their insurance ran out. And these scouts would go find kids and bring them back to the unit and get a $5,000 kickback, which we Mm. know is illegal. So everything had gotten shut down. And I just felt like if I wouldn't have listened to that inner GPS, life mm-hmm. would have been so much more difficult. So I, I really do feel like we, we, and I have throughout my life, I've had that constant guide show mm-hmm. up again and again and again. And so part of what you had mentioned, like one of the exercises at the end of one of the chapters is look at your inner GPS, you can look back through your life and mm-hmm. look at the goal. You know, it's, it's kind of like, look at what have been the guideposts that have shown up that got you to this moment. And you know, the times we realize, wow, there's been that presence or that, you know, inner GPS the whole time. Very, very interesting. Was the synergy of the spirituality and science occur gradually? Or is this something that as you acknowledge it and you realize that it's there and you got to a point where you just totally embrace it as this is it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great question. I I feel like through my life, I always had a spiritual orientation Mm -hmm. as a little kiddo all the way through. And I was one of those, I think, I guess, fortunate or um, (laughs) I had such a unique experience at 19 years old. um, My mother had a woman who was working for her 
it was her horticulturist, and um, she had a, a little girl, and I would babysit. Well, she and her husband were really into different spirituality than I'd ever experienced, just kind of expanded thought. You know, she had me going with her to Denver to go to a Leonard Orr presentation on transfiguration and, you know, transcendental meditation and um, Sandra Ray talking about rebirthing, which was a technique um, to go back and and re-experience. Um, it, it was a really healing modality, um, you know, when you were first born and what that was like. And so at at 19, I really started having, that was truly my <laughs> spiritual awakening, started experiencing all these different things. And so I think, you know, I've, I've meditated for 30 years, pretty, well, let's see, how old is she? 33 years, pretty religiously. And um, that has been the way that I'm able to contact what I say is my GPS or listen. You know, mm-hmm. it's that still voice that's, that's in us. And, um, yeah, so I feel like, I, you know, I have a passion for science. I have a passion for research. Mm-hmm. So as I would learn about quantum physics or I would learn about the latest neuroscience, you know, and being a psychotherapist um, and working a lot with the brain as an EMDR trauma specialist, I definitely, those were the things that excited me and ignited me. And so the blend for me has been so beautiful. And, and really in the last 15 years, the, I think, you know, psychology, spirituality, science, it's all interwoven. And so mm-hmm. we're really able to help people heal so much more quickly and, and so much more wholly because we're really looking at the whole person. We're working with heart, mind, body, and soul. Very, very interesting. That's really wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. July's theme is Summer Vacation and a Mid-Year Counting Our Blessings Moment. My guest for this morning is Stephanie James. Stephanie is a psychotherapist, presenter, transformational coach, author, filmmaker, and radio show and podcast host. She has experienced what it means to live fully lit up and fully alive. Over the years, Stephanie has gathered wisdom from so many extraordinary minds and serving hearts on the planet. She has synthesized their wisdom with her knowledge and experience to help others expand their vision by igniting their purpose. Stephanie is also one of our featured expert contributors for our July Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering story in our Heart of the Stove section. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her remarkable life's journey and how the essence of universal wisdom and self-love can help us find our voice, strength, and purpose to create a bold, beautiful life from her latest book, Becoming Fierce. Stephanie, why did you decide to write Becoming Fierce? Well, that is so interesting. So I think it was probably a year and a half, about the time that you had me on for my Mm -hmm. first book, Mm-hmm. I had also met with, I was on Karen Curry Parker's show, mm-hmm. uh, Quantum Podcast. And so I was on her show. And at the end of the show, she said, well, what's, what's ahead for you? 
And I said, well, I think I have another book coming through. I find myself stopping at stoplights or stop signs, and I'm writing <laughs> on scraps of paper, and little, little ideas are coming through. And we get done with the interview, and she says, Stephanie, I want to tell you that my business partner and I own a publishing house, and we'd like to publish your next book. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those serendipitous moments. I was just blown away. And so <laughs> she had me meet her business partner. We met on a Zoom call the next day. And as we were talking, I was speaking with M- Michelle Vandepost. And as we we're speaking, and I'm telling her my life story and kind of talking, mm-hmm. we're, you know, talking about ideas for the book. She said, Stephanie, you are fierce. Mm-hmm. You are fierce. And I said, oh, my God, that's it. And it just hit me. I said, the book is becoming fierce. And <laughs> I woke up that morning about 1.15 in the morning and wrote the whole outline for the book. Mm-hmm. And that's how it came through. Fantastic. Really, yeah, yeah. I, just, I felt like it really took what I'd written the first book and took everything to a much deeper and higher mm-hmm. level and really sharing some of my own journeys as well as, you know, just bits of wisdom and, and incredible experiences from the many people that I know that are true thought leader, thought leaders and change makers in our world. And so, so hopefully, you know, that combined and distilled wisdom is really what can help people find what is fierce within them. And I, I guess I have to clarify too, when I say fierce, I'm, I'm not talking about aggression. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really speaking to, that part of us that is this alive and passionate and purpose-filled part of us that right. is fiery, you know, mm-hmm. it's really this part of us that's ignited. And so it's really taking that concept of the spark that is within us, that is our essence, and really building that grit and resilience and having our voice and learning how, you know, we can have a relationship with power so that we can truly be that force and become fierce in the world. That's beautiful. What is the lollipop theory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so funny. You know, that, that really is a, a, a section on um, becoming authentic and mm-hmm. becoming more authentically who we are, which is so essential in these times. The world really needs us to show up as our authentic and empowered selves. So, the lollipop theory is literally about how when we're really young and we're, we're truly in our authenticity, we're, we're just, you know, we don't really notice that people notice us. We love lollipops. You know, you always see these kids mm-hmm. that have little lollipops and they're slobbering and they just don't care. They don't care who sees them <laughs> having a lollipop. And then a lot of times we'll get to junior high, high school, maybe even college, and we're like, I'm too cool for lollipops. And we don't want anyone to see us because we want people to perceive us in a certain way. And I think when we really get it, when we really come into ourselves, you know, the analogy is then we say, well, I can have a lollipop if I want to. Mm -hmm. And what that theory really is about is how do we become more authentically ourselves where we're not so concerned in what we look like, what, what something that brings us joy looks like to someone else. And so it's, it's truly how do we embody that part of us that finds joy sometimes in the smallest of things. Mm-hmm. And we've maybe mm-hmm. held ourselves back from doing those things. 
So that's something I really, I invite your audience to really plug into in their <laughs> hearts is just, yeah, thinking about what are those things that light me up and bring you joy? What's, what's your lollipop that you mm-hmm. want to bring forth? Because we are never too old to play and we are never too old to ignite those things within us that bring us that kind of true joy through expression, whether it's dancing or singing or creating art or playing with your puppy or playing tag with your kids, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's, I mean, I truly only this last fall got rid of my trampoline because it was decaying so badly. <laughs> but during the pandemic, that trampoline in my backyard was a lifesaver. And I mm-hmm. would go in between clients when I had a break and jump on the trampoline with my big standard poodle who loves to jump on the trampoline with me. <laughs> and it would just make me laugh. So I would mm-hmm. have, you know, I might be having a really heavy session with a client and yet I could go and be in pure joy for 10 minutes and then come back and be with the next client. Right. So that is true. Just, yeah. There's just ways we can plug in to our essential self. Sort of in the moment, just to compartmentalize yourself, it's a me time, so to speak, and just to enjoy in the moment for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I, that's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like, Johnny, you hit upon something that's really important and something that, you know, I bring out in the book as well is that, you know, I think part of what, what we need to do in this becoming authentic and becoming fierce is we have to allow ourselves to become priorities in our own lives. And in that, it doesn't mean that other people aren't priorities. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are also priorities. And it's that old saying, like, we have to put on our own oxygen mask first. So it's really about how can we gift ourselves? How can we truly befriend ourselves? by showing up for ourselves day after day after day, building trust that we know that we have our own back. And when we show up for ourselves, it could be half an hour in the morning, but mm-hmm. that's sacred time. And so we don't compromise it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, I'm going to wake up and make sure I have time. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do my gratitude journal. If you have more time, you know, exercise or be out in nature, whatever that is that feeds you, so that when you're showing up for the rest of the day, you actually truly have a reservoir that you're operating from. You've like primed yourself, mm-hmm. heart, mind, body, and soul to go into your day in such a different way. And it truly is like the least selfish thing you can do. Because <laughs> I hear people say, oh, if, I, you know, if I'm priority in my own life, that, that feels selfish. And the reality is it truly is one of the least selfish things you can do. By making yourself a priority, you're also modeling to your kids, to your spouse, to the friends that you have, that this is essential, that we need to take mm-hmm. care of our own healing first, and then we're better able to help others to heal. That's true. Very, very true. You had mentioned as well the power within us. How do we identify the power within us? You know, I think part of that starts with looking at how do we give our power away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think cause, because Power within us, being empowered is really when you feel in alignment with your voice, with your truth, or you're listening to your intuition and you're acting out of those places. You're acting out of integrity with yourself. So in order to access that power, I think part of it is we have to identify how are we, you know, really letting our power go. So if we're saying yes, when we mean no, 
or we're compromising when something truly is important to us or when we really are not speaking up and swallowing our voice or when someone else's opinion really makes us feel small. Someone said something to us and it diminishes us in some way. Then it's like we're handing them our power on a silver platter. And so it's not about becoming cold and not caring what other people think. I want to be really clear. I think we live in an interconnected world. And so, yes, mm-hmm. there's, there's a certain amount of where it does matter what other people think. This isn't anarchy or free-for-all. What it's about is really embracing that within you that is your truth, what lights you up, what, feels, what fills you with a sense of love or joy or energy. And then I think we gain a sense of power when we do exactly what we were just speaking of. When we mm-hmm. know that we are building a loving relationship with ourselves, which is that act of befriending ourselves and showing up for ourselves every morning. Um, I also do like a, a nighttime ritual. So it's morning and night. I love bookends to our days, <laughs> even if it's five or 10 minutes right before you go to bed. Yeah. Focusing back on your own self, your own spirit connecting with the divine in whatever way you experience it. It might be higher power. You might call it God, the universe, nature, whatever that is. And really being in alignment with that. And I think when we're living from that place in our heart, then we're powerful because the challenges and difficulties we face, they don't seem like these huge mountains anymore. We've got this huge depth within us that becomes this calm. And the more we cultivate it, the more it grows. Mm-hmm. So the more attention that we, we pay to nurturing that peace in us, it really grows. And, it, and so it, it sustains us through the inevitable little road bumps that we get to in the path of life. Interesting. So my understanding is that within us, that power in itself is actually self-love that leads us to find our inner roar, so to speak. Yes, yes, you've got it. You've got it. If we don't have that sense of self-love and we're playing small, that inner roar, which is when we can really speak our truth, and it's not as in yelling. When I, when I, I have a chapter <laughs> called Finding Your Inner Roar, and really what that's about is finding your voice, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have to love ourselves enough to find that voice. And, you know, and I always I say, you know, people – we hear that cliche all the time. You be your own best friend. Just love yourself. And I know from 33 years in the personal development and mental health field, it's not that easy. We don't just flip a switch and love ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can, however, start today cultivating a loving relationship with ourselves that will start. It's like exercising a muscle. We start building that muscle within us that becomes that true source of power where we're able to sit within that. And it's okay if someone has a different opinion than us. It's not about we have to dominate everybody. And I also in the book talk about, you know, this clear distinction. It's not about having power Mm -hmm. over anyone. It's having power within to be truly empowered or better. You know, I think it'd be better if it was (laughs) I-N-powered. You know, so it's this internal power that we're acting from. And, it is all about love. It's about loving ourselves and being able to love other people. And it's one of my own personal missions. I've been very clear for the last 15 and a half years that, you know, my personal mission is to bring 
as much love and healing to the world as possible through all the media, you know, mediums that I use and mm-hmm. all the formats, but through myself, through my being, you know, I want to be a conduit for that into the world. So I'm continually, you know, doing my work, whatever that is. If I notice a cobweb, if, if something triggers me or, you know, I, I'm like, oh, that didn't feel good. The response I had to that, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to do the work that it takes because, I, again, I want to continue to be that clear conduit. So, you know, I'm, I, I want to say that to other people as well, that that's why doing your work is so essential mm-hmm. and giving yourself that time is so essential because then you become that clearer conduit for your love and healing to come through. Beautiful. When does that power sort of morph into our inner strength? I think it's one and the same, Johnny. I, I feel mm-hmm. like when we don't try to have power over, but we, ha- we cultivate power within, mm-hmm. it naturally begins to integrate. Like it, we find it easier and easier to find our voice. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the things that are keeping us from that internal power are, you know, we might notice, wow, I, I get anxious in certain situations. Okay, listening to what is that voice? How do we deal with what's that anxious voice saying? And is it a limiting belief? Is it a false belief? Most times mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And maybe even it's, you know, it's, of course, knowledge and information as we learn about our brain and how our brain has this natural negativity bias. So it's always looking for what's wrong. It's always looking (laughs) for what's a threat. We can start training our brains. We can start training it to stick to, you know, not that it's never going to, we are very hardwired to notice Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's a threat, (laughs) but we can more quickly unravel that fight or flight or freeze response that comes up within us. And so we can learn how to say, okay, this is that voice. What do I want to focus on? Maybe I need to do like some four square breathing where we breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, and hold for four for several breaths like that until I can remind my parasympathetic nervous system to kick on (laughs) and that I really am safe. And so I think, you know, those are some of those important things that give us power when we realize, okay, negative experiences are like Velcro in the brain and positive mm-hmm. experiences are like fried eggs on a Teflon pan and they slide right off. <laughs> so part of my, you know, part of my evening practice is that I want to help the positive to stick. Mm-hmm. So what I invite people to do is get some kind of stationary object that you can hold in your hand. It could be a rock. I've had people have like little angels. It could be whatever it is to you that, that you could set on your nightstand that would remind you to do this. It's, it's kind of a visual reminder. Mm-hmm. And as you're holding on to that thing, you say to yourself, what is the best thing that happened today? And this is powerful, Johnny, for two reasons. Because first of all, when we bring something back up to our memory and what we're holding it in our mind, we're reinforcing to our deeper memory, like this is important, pay attention. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is whatever we hold in attention, our mind experiences is happening now. And that's why you could think about, oh my gosh, what if this happens in the future? It's not happening now, but you're having anxiety as if it is happening now. Same thing with the past. We can ruminate about the past, Mm -hmm. but it's not happening now. We just start feeling angst inside. 
So mm-hmm. what's wonderful is the same thing is true in the present moment. We can hold up what we want to think about, and you will start getting the same chemical release as you felt as you were experiencing it. And I would invite people to even bring their senses into it, remembering what was I hearing? What was I seeing? Mm-hmm. Was there a smell I was aware of? You know, was I tasting something when this most wonderful part of the day happened? And what's really cool about how our brain works is that we have something called a reticular activating system, and it's the part of our brain that notices things. It's a part of our brain that notices when you buy a new car and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, everybody has this car. (laughs) Well, everybody doesn't have this car, but now that you're really keyed into it, your brain starts noticing. So the same thing is true as you start programming your mind right before you go to bed on what feels good, noticing what really lit you up your mind starts programming itself. It's much more likely to start noticing that the next day. And Mm -hmm. again, the more you do this, the stronger that gets. So it really is a way for us to cultivate that inner feeling of power. And it really is being empowered. I I think there's such a misnomer about power. And we can really, you know, that's why the chapter is healing your relationship with power. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, some of us have had, you know, people that had power over us that was, you know, that may have felt abusive. So this is not that kind of power. This is an internal calm. This is an internal, also it can be fiery because it can be very passionate. But it's really, as I said, it's in alignment with your highest good, your highest truth, and being able to express that. Definitely. What it's all about also is that self-validation that I matter. Yes. I mean, you've heard this too, Johnny, so many times, right? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. how can we expect other people to value us if we don't value ourselves? And it's not that you just make a decision. Okay, that that sounds perfect. My logical brain says, (laughs) yes, that makes sense. I'm going to start valuing myself. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it truly is a daily practice. And as we show up for ourselves, we start valuing us. And, you know, what I invite my clients to do is to do a calendar where they actually have a physical calendar. It's not on their laptop, but -hmm. where they can see it every day, maybe hang in the refrigerator or somewhere on a counter. And instead of crossing the day off because I'm done with that day, if I showed up for myself that day and I did this morning practice or I did this evening practice, I put a heart on that day. Mm -hmm. And it is such an incredible feeling to look back at a calendar and just see all these hearts like, wow, You know, there's the proof. I really did show up and love myself. I'm really cultivating that deeper relationship with me. Very true. Well, when you talk about inner strength, as it goes from power, which is strength of one and the same, that synergy of dancing together that gives you the Mm self-validation, it's not about, like you had mentioned, it's not about being aggressive. It's a process of self-empowerment. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Stephanie James. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her remarkable life's journey and how the essence of universal wisdom and self-love can help us find our voice, strength, and purpose to create a bold, beautiful life from her latest book, 
becoming fierce. Stephanie, what is your definition of beliefs? You had mentioned that a little bit earlier. And why do we need to purge some to refine our perspective? Great, great question. Yes. So one of the chapters that I write about is purge what doesn't serve. And that it really is essential for us to look at what are the limiting beliefs, what are the behaviors, what are the relationships, what are the things, sometimes it's material things in our life that are no longer serving us. And so with beliefs, what, you know, for all of us, the first seven years of our lives were in theta brainwave state. So it's like we're a sponge. So what people say to us really sinks into our self-concept. Again, it doesn't mean that it's true. It means that we took it as true. And also the way that the brain works, the brain is trying to find evidence of what it already believes. So believing is seen, not seen is believing. So in order to really feel that inner change, we have to examine what are the limiting beliefs in my life. And I really invite people to look at all the different areas of their life, whether it's financial, relational, it could be your career, fitness, spiritual life, self-concept, and really go through those categories so that you know, you really know, okay, first of all, I have to identify what are the limiting beliefs I want to get rid of. And then you can start working on, okay, what are the beliefs I want to believe now? But not just that. What are the behaviors that I want to start practicing so I can back up those new beliefs? So if my belief is I'm getting more fit every day, I better have some behavior to back that up. So I might write underneath that two action steps, which would be I work out five days a week for 45 minutes. Or, you know, I might also add, I eat nutritious food at every meal. So those are the things that as we say these affirmations and we do them in repetition, what starts happening is something where after they say it takes about 21 to 30 days for a thought or behavior to become a new habit. And that's why you always see these, you know, now it's 21 days a lot, but, you know, 21 (laughs) days to new fitness or 21 days to a new you because they know it, it takes 21 to 30 days for us to, to carve this neural pathway and allow what's called this myelin sheath, which is like a crust to build up over that pathway, which makes it a habit. You know, that thought's just automatic. So mm-hmm. I think what's really important is, you know, consistency. And so doing this day after day, you do it for 30 days, and all of a sudden it becomes easier to follow through. Mm-hmm. And you start integrating these new beliefs that are more accurate. And you can really, I, I would totally invite people to go on to David Burns' website, not David Burns from the Talking Heads, but David Burns, <laughs> um, who's a psychiatrist at Stanford. And he's been one of my, definite one of my mentors for probably 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was so blessed. I had him on my show three times. Um, and actually was invited to Stanford and got to do a training session with his students and him and be on his podcast. Um, but his, he has a list of 10 distinct thinking errors that all of us do. So if you have trouble identifying what are my limiting beliefs or what are my thinking errors, he has those. 
And then he has 10 ways to untwist your thinking where you're really looking for the evidence that supports these negative beliefs. And so often we can look for the evidence and it's really not there. It might be, well, because I feel that way. And that actually, that's the thinking error of emotional reasoning. If we're just feeling that way, but there's no evidence to support it, it's probably not Mm -hmm. true. And it's just essential that we start seeing it's, you know, the Sufis called it lifting the veils. So Mm -hmm. lifting the veils, to who you truly are, discovering, you know, I, I talk about the spark, which is my brand, and, and you know, in, in my first book, mm-hmm. talking about that that spark is that essence within us. And circumstances, beliefs, um, situations can cover it up. So our work is really to excavate that essence that's us, that part of us that really, truly is alive and has a purpose of why we're here at this specific time at the specific place that we are. So true, very true. How is surrendering empowering? It's scary to do that. Oh my gosh, isn't it? It it really (laughs) is. And so, you know, I say, you know, there's a duality in surrender because surrender can really feel, like you said, I mean, we can feel so fearful and that's why it actually is very powerful because (laughs) it takes a lot of courage to step into surrender. And, you know, I I have a film that's out right now Mm -hmm. called When Sparks Ignite, and it's on the More You channel on Plex Network. And you can download Plex for free. It's free. And that really speaks to this, you know, serendipity. And I really do speak about it um, in this film uh, which is a documentary with 12 thought leaders from all over the nation and really with the, the message that the difficult and challenging times that we face really are the match point that ignites something within us that become our gift to the world. So we can actually start finding places, and as I share in that film, where surrender becomes important. And, and here's the thing. You know, we, we, all, we think that we're all so in control of everything and truly even though it's scary to think control really is a myth you know there's there's not a lot that we can control we can direct our attention um and we can't though we can't say okay i'm going to make my heart beat a certain way i'm just going to think about it ready go um i can't tell you i can't control what's going to happen when i get out of this um interview, I can predict what's going to happen. Our brain loves predictability, but I can't control it. I can have a lot of anxiety around trying to control something. And part of what I share in the film is my journey with my daughter who struggled with addiction for 10 years. And that it was really one night after putting her in treatment Yeah, I'd put her in treatment several times, and this was for three months, and I had taken her three- and four-year-old sons, and I was just newly married at the time. And um, these two little boys, bless their hearts, you know, they had just come out of chaos, so they were just really undone. And my husband at the time had left for a business conference, and I was very alone. I had the boys alone that first week without any support. And one night I had my, literally, I was so exhausted working full-time at my private practice, coming home, and I had my head on the nightstand, and I'm rubbing their backs, trying to get them to go to sleep. And 
I walked into the bedroom once they were asleep, and I was just so mad. It was like I was mad at God. I was mad at life. I was mad at my daughter. And I just felt out of control. Like, I can't control anything. I can't fix anything. You know, I, I, it just felt like, oh, my gosh. And it was one of those times, one of the few times in my life, I literally dropped to my knees. And I just said, I surrender all of it. Like, I surrender my entire life. And this has been six years ago now. My, my daughter is six mm-hmm. years clean and sober, I have to say, and thriving and is living just an amazing life right now. And at the time, through surrendering, when I went to sleep that night, I had the best sleep I'd had in months and months and months, number one. But I woke up and started just really having a different experience, so much so that having a surrender practice is also part of my morning practice where I have one hand on my heart, I have one hand on my belly, and I'm literally surrendering to what I call the divine and just saying, work through me, you know, as if also Mm -hmm. like the prayer of St. Francis says, you know, let me be an instrument of thy peace, you know, and I won't go through the whole prayer, but beautiful (laughs) prayer of allowing ourselves to be that conduit because my will and my plans don't always work and don't always work well. (laughs) So it's when I surrender to this higher power that has a much larger wisdom and mind than I do, um, serendipity starts showing up. Doors Mm -hmm. start opening. I mean, it was literally a week or so after that surrender that a gentleman walked into my office um, who was not a client, but knocking on the door comes into my office And I had just been sitting there thinking, how do I get back into radio? Because I'd been a guest on a radio Mm -hmm. show. And he walked in and said, hey, I'm with a local radio station here. And I was just wondering if you'd ever thought of having your own show. (laughs) And (laughs) the serendipity of that moment, you know, he said, I just about came out of my seat. I was so excited. And that really opened up, you know, the last six years of my life, Johnny, have been the most phenomenal years ever. Mm -hmm. Um. And that really opened the doorway to meeting people that have become the deepest, deepest part of a soul tribe of amazing men and women um, from all over the world that I met through my radio show and podcast and now have gone on to be in my films. And Mm -hmm. we just got done shooting a seven-part series for Plex Network at the end of June Mm -hmm. um, up here at Estes Park. Uh, was becoming fierce women's empowerment event with six Mm -hmm. thought leaders from all over the world and true, you know, powerful women that are making huge change in the world. So, you know, continuing all of that coming from this place of surrender. And when I get stuck, that little voice will come back to me and say, (laughs) Oh, what are you holding on to? Mm -hmm. You know, what are, is, is it a thought? Is it an energy Um, is it feeling like you need to be right? And again, surrender is very, very powerful. It's not about lying down and being a doormat. It's not about being a yes man or a yes woman. It's, it's really about surrendering to the higher power Mm -hmm. that our limited beings and minds can't always (laughs) figure out the answers for. So that's what, that's what I would say the importance of the power, true power of surrender is. Very, very interesting. That's really very interesting, very insightful. 
Is becoming fierce a destination or a journey? Absolutely a journey. And, but I think that, I think we have, I think that we're more fierce than we realize. So <laughs> part of becoming fierce is uncovering the fierceness that is already inside of you. Mm-hmm. So I would say it is both, truly, Johnny, I, it, because mm-hmm. we already have all the beauty, all the strength, all the wisdom that we're seeking are already right there inside of us. And so as we can tune into those places in us, we realize, wow, I do have this fierce passion. I do have this fierce, fiery energy. And this, I can start creating a more purpose-filled and aligned life as I truly allow myself to become fierce. That's true. Very, very true. It's just sort of clearing the dust and let whatever inside to just shine. Absolutely. That's it. <laughs> very, very interesting. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your books, attend your workshops, and keep up with the latest happenings? Yes. Yeah, so my, my website, which is stephaniejames.world, it's stephaniejames.world. You can see a trailer for the new film, When Sparks Ignite. There'll be announcements when the new series is out. It should be coming out this January. Um, You can see what events are happening. My books are available at Barnes & Noble and um, Amazon. So you can also order the book right there online, right through my website, and get a hold of me. You know, I'm, I'm definitely doing lots of keynote speaking and also, at this point right now, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I have a little room right now um, for a couple coaching clients. So you can sign up for a free 20-minute coaching exploration and breakthrough session with me and just love to connect with your listeners. So, stephaniejames.world. Fantastic. What is next for you? Well, right now, we are going through the editing process. Anna Dara from Film Nest which is a studio that uh, brought the amazing, phenomenal, award-winning film crew uh, <laughs> here to Colorado. She and I are looking through the film, and we'll, be, we'll begin writing the episodes. Mm-hmm. And my amazing partner, Morgan, and I, he and I are doing a day event in mm-hmm. October here in Fort Collins, Colorado. And... Um, I think, you know, that's, we're having ongoing, the series is an ongoing series, the Spark series, with this mm-hmm. first season being Becoming Fierce. So that's, that's what's ahead. Lots more just developing, creating, and sharing as much love, as much healing as possible. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Totally love it. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Sure. My recipe would be, the recipe is for your healing matters. And for your healing to matter, the recipe would be 30 minutes of self-loving, whether it's meditation, again, gratitude, even stretching, exercise, doing something at the end of your day to really lock in that good feeling within you. It could be listening to an empowering video or book or something that just feeds your soul, doing that thing where you remember what is the best 
part of today and continuing to come back to that place where you acknowledge within yourself that no matter how your day has been, your healing matters. You are an essential thread in this tapestry of humanity, and we need you. That's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Stephanie, thank you for the beautiful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, August 17 at 10 a.m. Central Time U.S. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the Publisher and Editor-in-Chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Attitude of Gratitude, 101 Stories of Counting Your Blessings and the Power of Thankfulness. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Stephanie, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day and congratulations on the book. Thank you, Johnny, so much. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.